Welcome to the Freedom City Church podcast, a podcast designed to help your faith thrive. We hope you enjoy today's message. I get the, uh, the honor to introduce our speaker for today. Our speaker is someone that I am so impressed with and so excited to see just this, this gift being um, outworked within her life. I feel like it was not long ago, it was just like, hey, um, would you like to preach? And then once she preached, it's like, hey, can you preach again? You know, it's like this, we've seen that there's, um, I'm a believer that what goes in, God uses to, to bring out, to bless other people. And she's a person that puts a lot in to herself. She spends a lot of time studying, researching, shredding. She can explain that when she gets up. Um, but can you give a round of applause to Molly as she comes to bring the message for today? Hello, Sam. Hello. Are we there yet? Oh, there we go. Hello. Frank Walker from National Tiles. Sorry. Um, what's up? I'm back. Oh, it's good to see you. Oh, Kelly, hi. It's so good to see you. I'm back. Um, I'm a little bit cooler this time preaching than I was last time because I have a tattoo now. I'm feeling really badass. Um, sorry, I shouldn't say that word when I'm on the pool, but my bad. Um, it's a bit tricky to read, so I'm just going to tell you what it says so that, like, because I'm going to explain it for the rest of my life now. It says, Lord, I know you're at work and I know that I'm blessed. And they're lyrics from my friend Nathan's song. He wrote it like 10 years ago. And every time I have a bit of a rough, rough trot, I hone in on that song. And I mean, if you know anything about the last mm, two weeks I've had, Really pertinent right now. You can ask me about that later. <laughs> um, cool. So how about we pray to get started? I like to start that way. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that um, we can gather together um, freely in your presence to come and um, learn more of who you are. God, I pray that as I um, bring your word that um, you would um, anoint this message. I pray that anything that is not from you, you would um, allow to fall to the wayside. And I pray that um, we would go away from this place um, refreshed and um, ready to, to take your word into the world. And we bless your name, Father God. Amen. Cool. We're here. We're doing it. I brought some show and tell with me this morning. Might have got a sneak peek of it. Um, it's just this little um, willow tree figurine. Um, it's this little girl. She's sitting down on a rock and she's reading a book. Um, do you guys remember these things? Like, hands up if you've got one in your house. Yes. Wedding gift. Yeah, everyone had them. Like, really popular. I think, like, birthday gift, housewarming gift, Christmas gift. Everyone's like, get to Kurong. I need a willow tree figurine. Um but this one was given to me by my grandpa. Um, he was a really great... I'm just going to pop, pop her here so you can look at her while I, while I preach. A really excellent man. He died um, a number of years ago now, but, geez, he was just a real hoot um, of, a, of a man. I really, really loved him. You know, I remember things like give him a call on the phone and he'd say, gosh, you look good today. I said, Grandpa, you can't even see me. And he's like, oh, I don't need to see you to know you look good. Um, or we'd, you know, go around to their house on a Saturday afternoon and he'd, like, come and he'd give you a few dollars to pop around to the shops and pick up some treats. Um, he was cheeky and um, funny and it was always such a treat to spend time with Grandpa. Um, you know, he 
actually was the minister of a church for a number of years in Bendigo. So my mum grew up in the church, in this little church in Bendigo when we went on holidays there. Oh, geez, I can't remember how long ago now, but we went to go and see this little church, and um, which was really cool. And he was big into reading. Um, like going into Granny and Grandpa's house is like going into a library. They just had so many books um, and he had read everything. Um, he loved, you know, great thinkers and philosophers and psychologists. He even had a dog when I was really little. Um, his name was Siggy, uh, named after Sigmund Freud. And I know that's a bit controversial nowadays, but, um, you know, that, that influence that thinkers like that had on his life. But he loved to learn and he loved to glean knowledge and that was something that he really took pride in passing down to his children and to his grandchildren. So 10 years ago now when it came for me to move to WA and to go to uni, um, he was so supportive of this adventure that I was about to take on and he gave me two things when um, before I left. So the first thing was this bag, like a leather briefcase um it was beautiful but it was the same one that he had used when he had first started to attend uni um which I still have and actually recently when we were moving house um we pulled it out and it was not in it's not in amazing condition but Sam took a lot of um pride and joy in restoring this thing like so much leather conditioner and took a photo and sent it to mum and mum was really you know sentimental about it and which was really lovely and then the second thing was this willow tree figurine so like I said, you can see she's sitting down, um, her head is down, she's got a book open in her lap. And the name of this figurine, um, it's wisdom, but the tagline that comes with the little label you get with it says, a lifelong love of learning. So Grandpa was so um, proud of me and my pursuits of higher education and he encouraged me in my studies, um, almost to a fault. It's why I took German for a year and that was um, not great. Um, <laughs> and then um, it just meant that like I always loved being able to come home and have these moments where I would share with Grandpa what I'd been learning and he was so eager to hear what I'd been learning um, and really hone in on that. So that's what I've titled my message this morning, A Lifelong Love of Learning, because what I wanted to talk to you about this morning is this idea of who we are as disciples. The word disciple literally means learner. So in the Hebrew, we have um, this word um, and it's pronounced lemud, I believe. And that's an adjective meaning taught or learned um, or discipled. And then in Greek, um, we have mathetes, which um, means it's the noun, so a learner or a pupil. And this word, this Greek word, mathetes, is the word that you will see in the New Testament when you're reading about the disciples and to go and make disciples. Um, and so we look at you know, Jesus and he had his 12 students, these 12 guys who were following Jesus, they were like studying Jesus. They were learning how to live like Jesus and how to, to be like him. So thinking about this, you know, if we're called to be learners, we're going to need someone to teach us. Um, and of course, ultimately that person is Jesus. <laughs> um, but that person, you know, in, in everyday life, they need to know more than us. Um, they need to be a little bit further ahead in that journey than us, perhaps. Um, they need to have some insights that hold us accountable to what we learn. And I think about, you know, where do we begin learning? 
we go to school. We have teachers who instruct us. Um, they teach us and they guide us. They've been to uni. Um, they've done their exams. They know the curriculum. And that's where, for most of us, where our formal learning journey starts. And then once you finish school, you have to then make a decision about for yourself about what you're going to do next. Am I going to go to uni? Am I going to go to TAFE? Am I going to do an online course? Maybe I'll listen to some podcasts. Maybe you won't do anything. But after school, the learning journey continues only where we choose. And for me, I feel like there's an intrinsic link between who we are as disciples um, and our relationship with the local church. Within the church, you're most certainly going to find people who know more than you, have been doing this Christian thing longer than you. Um, but even just in the sense that we come to a place that's being pastored by someone who's made it their vocation after an appointing from God to know and study the Word, to help make it clear to us. You know, and I mentioned before, you know, with something thinking, well, Jesus, well, I'm following Jesus. Jesus is who I'm a disciple of. Um, and that's awesome. And we definitely should ultimately be following Jesus. But, you know, we can't know everything and it's pride to think that you can do it with just Jesus alone. You know, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul instructs the church of Corinth. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Um, well, it would be a bit far ahead there. Uh, <laughs> cool, pop it back. <laughs> um, that's all right. Um, yeah, so Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So God anoints people to teach us and to help make clear to us what it is like to follow Jesus. You know, and even in Hebrews 13, it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So there's an imitation that happens. We sit and we study the people that God is appointing and calling to a particular way of life. And so I really do strongly believe that how we do church is an integral part about how we grow as disciples. Because as school is for many of us, our beginning of our formal learning journey, for Christians, it's often where their formal learning journey about who they are in Christ and who they are as a child of God starts. So there's such an importance on the church and the opportunity it creates for people to come and know Jesus. There's definitely a lot of discussion that goes on now about whether how we do church is the best way to do church or how could we do it different or make it more exciting, less rigid, etc. Lots of discussion. We have those discussions even within here at Freedom City. And I think some people even wonder, like, what's the point of even, like, having church? Like, where the church is the, is the people, not the building, you know? Like... Um, that kind of that kind of thinking comes up and this idea that, you know, well, isn't this format really quite new? Maybe we've only been doing it since, the, you know, isn't this just how the Catholics set it up originally? Isn't coming to a building and doing church like this an outdated tradition? And for me, I've written here, wrong. <laughs> and, you know, apart from the obvious examples that we get in um, Acts 2 or even in like Hebrews 10, um, even the picture, if you think about the Sermon on the Mount, we see actually a picture of the modern day structure of church as far back as Nehemiah 8. Um, and so Andy mentioned my shred before when I did my, so I 
in January every year, I read the whole Bible in 30 days just to set the tone. And it was my shred last year that I highlighted and I remember seeing this this uh, passage in Nehemiah and thinking, holy crap, that's church. Like, so it's, there's an anointing on why we do certain practices the way that we do and why we meet together the way that we do. So we're still too far ahead. <laughs> he's getting, getting, he's too eager. Um, but it's also why you see that church really hasn't changed fundamentally that much since it began. Cool. Now we can head to our spark notes of Nehemiah. Because, um, I, I mean, I'm going to preach from the Old Testament. And obviously, like, I don't know, has anyone ever read the book of Nehemiah? It's a pretty um, easy one to, to gloss over. The Old Testament is hard to read. Um, but I just wanted to give you some spark notes about Nehemiah so that we are all on the same page about where it's coming from. So Nehemiah, um, his name means consolation or Jehovah is comfort. Um, and it was written around the 5th century B.C., um, and the main theme of this book is reconstruction. It's quite similar to Ezra in the sense that Ezra, um, its theme is about the restoration. Um, and so Ezra is talking about restoration, reconstruction of the temple. And Nehemiah is restoration and reconstruction of the city walls. So our key verse from Nehemiah is um, chapter 4, verse 17. It says, those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that one, uh, with one hand they worked on the construction and with the other held a weapon. So that's giving us that context for this book um, and the rebuilding of the wall because back in those days, a city um, without a wall is really susceptible to attack and to invasion uh, and so the wall of the city was like the fortification and the defence mechanism of the city. Um, and Nehemiah is building this wall in Jerusalem, but they are, um, there are people who don't want reconstruction of the wall. Um, so there's a bit of unrest happening between the people who are trying to stop the wall from being built um, and those who are defending it. Uh, the book, it sort of is segmented into three parts. So you get chapters one to seven, where you're talking about ne um, the return of Nehemiah and it's um, about his leadership through building the wall. And then chapters seven through 10 talks about Ezra's memoirs. And then chapters 10 through 13, we've got Nehemiah and his memoirs. And then he closes the whole thing up. And so then a key takeaway uh, message from this book is that sometimes we have to battle and build at the same time. And there's a that's a tension that we face in life as a Christian. We're constantly building the church, building our lives in Christ, but also we have to battle against the world and the flesh and the devil. So it's not totally irrelevant, this book from the Old Testament. Um, and that's your quick whip around from, from the book of Nehemiah. If you go to read it, recommend reading it in conjunction with the book of Ezra because they kind of come as a package deal. Um, and now we're going to get really into it. So we're going to read from Nehemiah 8 um, and we're going to read from verses 1 to 12. It's a little bit of a longer one and I've got some fun names to pronounce, but it'll be on the screen. So follow along. Nehemiah 8, it says, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. 
And he read it from the it. Sorry, he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and all those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform, and they had made that they had made for the purpose. And behind him, uh, beside him, sorry, stood Matthiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, Malchijah, Hashum, Hashbadana, uh, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, and for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And as Ezra blessed the word, blessed the Lord, the great God, all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathai, Hadiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, <laughs> Jezebad, Hanan, Paliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave sense so that the people understood the reading. Verse 9, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught all the people, uh, taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. I was mind blown when I when I read and actually took it in for the first time. I went, holy crap, that is, that's church. That's church. So I thought I'd just highlight some parallels that we see. Um, so like in verse 3, it talks about they meet from um, daybreak until noon. So you're very blessed here at Freedom City Church. We give you a sleep in and then we're still done by noon. Amazing. Oh, we've lost our slide. Is he there? I'll keep going. Um, verse 4, you know, he stood on a high platform. So, like, there's a reason that the, the preacher gets up in the front so that everyone can see and everyone can hear. I even notice it says that when Ezra um, opened the book, um, all the people stood up. Isn't that a picture of church in, I don't know, the Anglican, the Catholic? Up, down, up, down in response to the Word of God. Um, verse 5, he opened the book. So, if you're coming to church, you should expect to hear something from the Bible. Oh, is there one more there, um, Quill? The next one. Oh, and one more. Sorry, I work really hard on my slides. I want you to see them all. Aha, there it is. Awesome. Um, so it talks about he opens the book of the word of the law. So in church we come and we open our Bible and we, we come to learn and read from it. So on a really fundamental level, church has a structure and there's a reason that it has persisted. For centuries. But then what else Nehemiah actually does for us is it gives us a really um, some really great steps about how to be lifelong learners, how to be great disciples. So I'm going to go uh, through this with you. There's a few things that we'll highlight. So the first one um, is in 
Vertebra, what do I put first? Awesome. Respond to the Lord in praise. So in verse 6, um, it says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. You know, when we become students under the Most High, first we need to take time to acknowledge His presence, um, His might, His wonder. We praise God for the privilege it is to come and hear from Him. It's why we start church with worship. It is a positioning for us to respond to God with an attitude of praise. The second thing that we can do is be attentive. In verse 3, says, and he read it from uh, facing the square before the water gate and in the presence of the men and women, all who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. You're not going to learn very much if you're distracted. And I, I'll be the first to say that I have many occasion been scrolling on Instagram instead of listening to Andy while he's preaching. I'm sorry. But the thing is, when you decide I'm going to pay attention you're actually going to learn more because it's coming in. So there's a real, um, I guess, we need to be paying attention. We need to be attentive. If we're coming in with an attitude that, wow, I'm here to praise God, I'm going to lift glory to Him, and I want want to learn about God, that requires an active participation on our part to pay attention. The third thing that we um, have as a great step to being a lifelong learner is weeping in response to the law. In the second half of verse 9, it says, For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And as I was reading about this passage, it's pretty common among the commentary that um, this weeping of the people was in response to conviction that they were having about not upholding the law. And obviously, you know, this day and age, we live in New Testament um, life. So we live under grace, not under the law. So for us, this might look a bit more like a personal response um, as a conviction about sin in our lives. We all have sin um, and the Lord is really eager to forgive us when we repent. And when we sit under teaching from the Word, as we begin to clarify the Word of God and what a Christ-centered life looks like, we can begin to identify those habits and those behaviors in our lives that don't bring life or are causing separation with our relationship with God. When we come face to face with our own sin, it should cause weeping, literally or figuratively. Being a disciple means learning that even though all things are permissible, not everything is beneficial. You know, being taking the opportunity to feel challenged in a way that we take what we've learned from being attentive to the Word and making a shift. And then the final thing that we can do to be really great lifelong learners is this idea of fellowshipping and celebrating with joy because they understand the Word. In verse 12, Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because now they understood the words that had been made known to them. I think Freedom City does this part really, really well. The whole eating and drinking and celebrating. We love a party. We love when Dave is in the kitchen cooking up a feast. 
And I think it's this part of being a lifelong learner that can really help us to understand um, the value and the importance of assembling together physically. Because that's something that has been, I guess, um, a point of discussion in the last two years with COVID is, well, do we actually need to come to church? Do we, we can just watch it online. Maybe, you know, maybe we can just watch a podcast when it suits us in the comf- comfort of our own home and we don't have to interact with anybody. And I think that sounds like an introvert's dream. Um, but it's not, it's not the basis of what we see repeated throughout the Bible And absolutely, you can do a stack of learning and gleaning from podcasts and sermons and books. And I would encourage you to do that in addition to coming to church on a Sunday. But when it comes to celebrating, that bit's a little bit trickier to do in isolation. You know, we can't share in the joy of communal growth and understanding on our own. You know, and that's why we are always up here encouraging you to go to a connect group and to invite someone along to Sunday lunch because that's the best part about it. That was the best part about uni was being able to go home to grandpa and say, hey, I learned this really cool thing. And there's a, um, a strengthening and a, um, a, it's like a snowball effect that happens. It's like, oh, I learned that thing and, oh, oh that makes me really want to go and, and learn more about that thing. And that, um, yeah, that communal growth as well as individually is so important for us as Christians. So that's, that was all I sort of had for you this morning. I, I, it's a, sh- a short passage, a short message, but I really um, do believe that as we begin to um, connect with what we do learn and letting that really take root in us about who we are and what there is to learn, we're never going to begin to scratch the surface of who God is and what He um, has done for us and, and um, all the glory that He has to show. So let's take the time to really press in to, to praise God and to be attentive to His word and and seek that conviction and then celebrate with one another when it happens. Hey, let's pray. Father God, thank you that you have called us to be your disciples. Thank you that you have created such a beautiful structure for um, the beginning of how we learn about who you are and where we can go. Father God, I pray that as we um, as we meet together and as we learn that you would begin to equip us to then take that out and and fulfill your your greatest command to go into the world and make more disciples. God, I pray we wouldn't take this uh, opportunity that we have for granted. I pray that you would really stir in us the importance and the privilege it is to have access to you through your word and to come together and celebrate with one another when you are doing such great and mightiful things. Father, we lift your name, we bless you, Father God, and we say we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom City Podcast. If there is any way that we can help you survive and thrive in your everyday life, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd want to know more about who we are, just head to www.freedomcityfremantle.com. Until next time, take care.